Good morning, church. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance this morning, giving of your time to come and worship uh, our God in spirit and in truth. It is great to be here. It is great to be uh, able to, to serve the King. Let us please go together to God in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Masterful and merciful, King of kings and Lord of lords, and righteous God, thank you, Lord God, for loving us, for keeping us, and for strengthening us, and for protecting us, and through your word and through life, for thrilling us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. Thank you for bringing us to this day. Another opportunity to worship you, we pray, that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight, and that all things, Lord God, that will and have been said are pleasing and acceptable unto thee. Bless us to never forget the amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf. We pray, Lord God, that you will remove our minds from worldly thoughts and bring us just here to hear your word to read your word together, and to listen to you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' holy name we pray and thank thee. If it be thy will. Amen. Please turn to Revelation chapter 3. So, well, we're rounding the corner, ending this series of I I Shall Not Be Moved. It it wasn't intended to be a series, but uh, it's turned out to be that way. Uh, Having so much literature, uh, if you will, in, in the scriptures of reading this, so many scriptures on this topic. It's pretty pretty exciting to me. There's an hour of testing that's come upon the world. It's not the first time. We know there have been many pandemics in our world in the past. There's a worldwide situation that's upon us and one might say, you know, some fiery trials in our lives. But it's not the first time. And I want to read Revelation 3 and verse 9 and think about what these folks thought when they heard the message of God regarding something that was going to come upon the whole world. Verse 9, the Bible says, Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. And I guess the question to them could also be a question to us. How will we come through this? What I mean by that is, will we come through this as a people of faith? A people that are pleasing to the Master? How are we going to come through this? What will we be when we come out on the other side of this pandemic? It's a good question. Maybe we could ask ourselves. Please turn to Exodus chapter 17. God wants His people to trust Him. He wants us to 
have faith in Him. He wants us to believe in Him. And regardless of what is going on around us, He expects us to have faith. Faith in Him. Not in ourselves, but in Him. And I want just to grab an example of back in Exodus chapter 17 of, of an interesting situation. There's this, the war. The Amalekites have come down to wage war against uh, Israel and, and Moses is leading them along the way. And, and I want to grab verse 8, if you will, of Exodus chapter 17. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us to go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Now we don't have any text that says that Moses consulted God. I'm not going to say Moses did not consult with God, but there's no text that says that Moses consulted with God. Was it just Moses' idea? I don't know. But we do know that his idea was, I'll go to the top of the mountain with the staff of God in my hand. In verse 10, and Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the mountain. Now the problem with this war is it doesn't quite go the way they expected to. You have the staff of God in Moses' hand, and the war kind of went backwards and forwards. Sometimes Amalek uh, was victorious during the war. Other times the Israelites were victorious during the war. It just kept going backward and forward. And you think that Israel might be asking the question, you know, what in the world is going on? Why are we winning some of the time and losing in this battle the other times? Verse 11 says, So it came about when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed and when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Now, when you read that, you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't matter whether or not it makes sense. (laughs) What matters is the reality. (laughs) As long as the staff was up, they would win. And when he let his hand down, they failed. They would lose. Or Amalek would prevail. I think when you look at this, you you realize that everyone had to fight in this battle. Everyone had to participate in this battle. Moses at this time could not go to the top of the mountain and stand, but Moses had a job that he had to do on top of the mountain. And so did her as well as Aaron. They learned a very, very valuable lesson that day. United we stand. Divided we fall, right? See, it wasn't just they needed God. They needed Moses to keep his arms up, keep the staff high in the air to be victorious. Again, doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to make sense. Not when you're doing the will of God. Verse 12 says, But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, And he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So here's what had to happen. Discovery. You see, the people had to think about for just a moment and get beyond that this doesn't make any sense. They had to stop. Look and listen. 
they had to observe that as long as Moses had the staff of God in the air and he stood victorious, we prevail. But when Moses is just standing there looking with his hands down and the staff down, Amalek prevailed. It doesn't matter why. What matters is in order to win the victory, Moses' hands had to stand up, stay up with the staff of God, and he needed Aaron and her to help him. Life sometimes doesn't make sense. Turn please to James chapter 1. One might even say this, this pandemic doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense the way that it works and, it, and it, it mutates and then this happens and then that happens and then life happens and some get sick and some don't get sick and some are asymptomatic and some are not and some die. And I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it doesn't matter whether or not it makes sense. It's up to us to stop, to look, and listen to God. That's all, that's our part. That's our part in this. And when you trust God and you have faith, then you just have to do something. Whatever that something might be. James says in chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Approve yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. God has an expectation of his people to do something. To do your best. To live for him. To see him through all of this. Deuteronomy please, chapter 8. To look through the smoke. To look through the forest and see Jesus. Do you see God? Are you looking to God? Have we stopped looking to God? Because maybe we're a little fed up and disappointed? Are we going to come through this as a people of God of faith who trust Him, who are willing to stop and look at Moses on the hill, observe and listen and obey the will of God? Are we going to be the people of God who are going to stop and see God and listen and obey? Or are we going to be the people of God who can't see God, who are angry, frustrated, and very worldly in our actions? Never allow the situations of life to blind you. See, that's what Satan wants to do. He, he blinds the hearts of the unsuspecting, right? Second Corinthians chapter 4. He's, he's, a one, he's one who likes to blind us. He, he wants us to, to have an inability to see God through all of this, through all the bad, through all the struggle. Can you see God? Or are you, are you a little blinded today? Deuteronomy 8 in verse 2. Look at the situation that blinded them. Verse 2. The Bible says, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep 
his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. It's not just about food. But they were blinded by their hunger but their hunger was designed by God to teach them a lesson. They weren't starving. They were just hungry. And God had a plan for them. God was testing them and trying to show not only for himself, but for them to see what is on their hearts. Who are they? Who are we? Look at verse 17. Look at the plan that God had. Verse 16, rather, excuse me. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you. Why? To do good to you or for you in the end. You see God's plan. His plan was to test them, and he wanted to reveal something to them about themselves, but the ultimate plan was to bring good into their lives. But they couldn't see it because they were blinded by their hunger. And when you read on, they bickered, right? When you go back and you read the text in Exodus, they bickered at God. They were angry at God. And they were frustrated at God. And they failed that test. Jeremiah, please. Chapter 24. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder looking at this pandemic that doesn't really make a lot of sense in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, it makes a lot of ways from a medical standpoint, but, but really we don't know what to do, do we? <laughs> we don't know. Everything keeps changing over and over again because God made something smarter than us. <laughs> right? Smarter than our greatest minds on the earth. We can't even figure it out. And so there's this level of frustration among humans, but we, God's people, are supposed to come through this in faith. Right? Is that where I, where I am in my heart and in my mind? Verse, verse 5, Jeremiah 24, verse 5. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Like these good figs, so I will regard as good the captives of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good. And I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them up, and not overthrow them, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. God says, I have a plan through all of this. The question is, do we believe God? James chapter 5. Just because I cannot see the good today does not mean that God does not have good plan for us through all of this. And maybe there are no plans. Maybe there are no plans for good. I don't know that answer, but I do know this, that God's people have to come through this in faith and not be blinded by the pandemic that is before us. We must learn to stop, look, and listen to God. So here's what I believe. I believe this because the Bible teaches us this. 
That regardless of what we go through in this life as God's people, regardless of what happens in our lives, God will make everything all right. See, I believe that. I believe that because all through the scriptures, the Bible teaches us over and over again that God is going to make everything all right. I guess this morning the question is, do you believe that? The Bible says it. I'll show it to you in just in just a moment. I, I could show it to you all morning for the rest of the sermon, but, I, but I'm not. I want us to get this. Do not allow the trials of today to stand between you and your God. Do not allow the suffering of today to move you away from the Lord. And God said, you know, I, I'm going to tell you why you, why you don't you, you don't do that. So I've given you many examples, multiple examples in the scriptures as to how we should live and, and to believe and trust that God is going to make everything all right. In James 5, beginning at verse 9, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that, yourself, that, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Wait a minute, there's something in that verse there. Stop complaining because you're going to be judged by God. Oh, okay. Got it. Verse 10. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Oh, yeah, they did suffer, didn't they? Yeah. I, I remember that. You, you know, you start reading in Genesis and you just you just keep reading and you realize that, that the 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 prophets of God, they, they suffered. But they were happy about it. They were walking with Jesus. Men of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. The men and women of God. God says, there's one example. Let me give you another one. He says in verse 11, Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard the endurance of... Oh, yeah. Remember that guy? Remember Job? Oh, yeah. you, you've heard of the endurance of Job. And have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Have you forgotten about Job? Well, yeah. See, see, the trial reveals what's inside of me up here, right? Who am I? And we go through these trials, and these trials. Um, they, they reveal something. And, and what is revealed for us? Let's turn to Psalm 139. Um, the world isn't doing so well. I mean, we're, we're seeing things in the world now that are, are kind of astonishing when you see the attitudes of the... And, and I want to continue to say the world, but I can't, can I? Not, not if you're a preacher of God. You've got to tell the truth. The church... The church and the world combined, we have proven to fail. There's some good, I know. There's a lot of bad. We are fighting and bickering all over the world. You know, religious people are fighting and bickering and acting like the world. I don't know, are we going to come through this in faith? We haven't come very far, have we? I go back to Israel, I look at them, look at them grumbling, they're grumbling and grumbling and grumbling, and I go, oh, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, we haven't come very far as a people. 
Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. No, don't do that, Lord, because if you do that, you might find something in there. That's the point. But God wants you to find it. God wants me to find it. He wants me to find. Find me, right? What am I hiding behind? Find the true me. Search me, O oh God, and, and try my heart and know me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Change my mind, Lord God. Transform me into the man I'm supposed to be. Sometimes I wonder if we have forgotten as God's people. Please turn to First Peter chapter 4. If we have forgotten this, here's what we've forgotten. Okay? Maybe. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe I've forgotten this. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every bad and evil gift comes from Sometimes I think we forgot. <laughs> we start blaming God for the bad things that go on in our lives and we forget about the adversary. And so it's all God's fault and so then we act as if God doesn't exist playing right into the hands of the adversary who wants to divide us and destroy us, bring out our hatred and our anger, Frustration. And God says, don't forget. In fact, not only don't forget, look at verse 12, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Uh, he says, beloved, don't be surprised. Why are you surprised? Why are we surprised that Satan is attacking us? Why? Because we've forgotten. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that, that comes upon you for uh, your testing, right? Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. It's like you just, you know, you take the Bible and you just say, well, you know, I, and you forget that all the way through the Bible, God's people have been attacked by Satan. And this isn't the first pandemic, and this isn't the first testing of the whole world. And this isn't the first trial. And this isn't the first death. And this isn't the first amount of suffering. You read it all the way through the Bible about humanity and Satan, the adversary, bringing horrible things upon us. And then we act surprised like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Why not? Why not? Satan does not have our good in mind. Verse 13. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit and glory of God that rests upon you. Find God in this. Turn to Matthew, please. Chapter 5. Where's God in all this? And that's the question we're asking. Where is God in all this? Well, what I mean by that, I'm not asking where is God. He's right here. He never moves. I'm asking where is God in our hearts in all this? Through all of this? 
Remember uh, the church at Laodicea, uh, they, they got, you know, lots of money. Things were going so well. They made this salve. It was wonderful. They were very industrious, and they just forgot about God. And then the next thing you read in Revelation chapter 3, about verse 20, and the Bible says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who put him out? Who put Jesus out? How many Christians put Jesus out of their hearts? And you know what happens when you put Jesus out, right? Satan comes right on it. There's a blessing in suffering. We're not praying, God, please make us suffer. No, no, but but we're going to suffer. And there's a blessing in suffering. And then the Bible says when we suffer for Christ, for God's sake, in verse 10, uh, there's a blessing. Blessed, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults upon you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and say, yeah, but it doesn't say anything about a pandemic. I know. I, I know, but that's that's in other places in the scripture. There are blessings in learning to trust in God. So here's what Satan is doing. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, please. Here's what Satan is doing. See, Satan knows this. Satan believes that everybody has a price for which you'll sell your soul. And he's digging to find out what your price is. I hope that the price that that you've established in your heart is far too much or far for him to reach. So the pandemic, is that the price? Sadly enough, church, if if you read and you've been reading the literature about churches, churches, just all churches in general, A lot of people who have fallen away. A lot of people. Satan found that price. God's going to make everything all right, though. Romans 8 and verse 28. And we we guess. No, that's not what it says. We we think. um, We're still trying to figure out. Right? What does the Bible say? Yeah, that's different, isn't it? We know. Do you know? When you read that verse, do you read it as, I I think, maybe, or do you read that verse and take it at face value for what it says, and you have the faith to know that God does not lie. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. We know that according to the purpose and the will of God, everything is going to be alright. I know that. Psalm 124, please. Psalm 124. I believe that. I trust it with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to live physically through this whole thing. 
That part doesn't matter though. But I know it's going to work out. And you know, you can look back in the past, you can look back into history, and you can see through history that there have been pandemics on the earth. And you know what? Had we not had a pandemic, we would have never thought about the pandemics in the past. That's how far removed they have been. It works out because of the will of God, because of the goodness of our God. And it's for that reason that we shall not be moved. Verse 1, please. Had it not been for the Lord who was on our side. And you could finish that sentence with a whirlwind of stuff, couldn't you? I mean, you could talk about your life and all the struggles you've been through, and you could add them into this verse, and you could say, had it not been for the Lord who had been on my side, there's no way I would have made it through this hour of testing or suffering of trials or tribulations in my past life or whatever. You can fill that up with your own bucket. Had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, had it not been for the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the waters would have engulfed us. The stream would have swept over our soul. Then the raging waters would have swept over our soul. In other words, what what David is saying, what the psalmist is saying, is that had God not been on our side, there's no way we would have become victorious. But because He was on our side, we won. Verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and the earth. Turn to Psalm 37. You see, the rain in our lives helps us to appreciate the sunshine, doesn't it? We know that's true. Sometimes people ask the question, how are we ever going to make it through this? May I suggest, if we acknowledge and surrender to the who, he'll take care of the how and the when. He'll take care of the rest. Right? You just got to give it to him. People of faith walk in faith in good times and when the difficult times come, it becomes second nature. (laughs) You just continue to walk in faith. Psalm 37 beginning at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourselves in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Just keep focusing on God. Proverbs chapter 3. Continue to trust in God and focus on God and obey God and surrender to the will of God. Just keep doing that. Just keep on keeping on. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Trust God. Let's, let's begin to wrap, wrap this up. Turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 40. Trust, trust God. And he'll make a way where there, where there is no way. 
When, when Satan closes the door, God just, just opens the door up. God is the one who is victorious. Trust in God. Trust in God. So may I remind you of something you already know. Verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. Someone said to me, you know, I'm tired of this pandemic. God's not. God's not. Just like he's not tired of my sin. I mean, he didn't want me to sin. But he said, I got more grace. I have more grace. God doesn't become weary. God doesn't become tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I know you've read that before. Do you believe it yet? We hear it everywhere. It's, you know, it's blasted on the internet. I've read it. How many of us believe it? And finally, 1 Peter chapter, chapter 5. God will make everything all right. But the question is, do you believe that? Have I been deceived by the devil and to blame all this bad on God? All this evil is God's fault. That's what the world does. Brother, never forget, there's an adversary Please put the rightful blame on the rightful person. The rightful soul. Satan. And I'm sad that a lot of Christians have a hard time with that. Have a hard time believing that. Verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I'm thinking about this pandemic. It's all over the world. We're all suffering. Rich and the poor, everybody in between. Everyone's suffering. Everyone. Do you believe Satan's behind this? What do you think? Every good and perfect gift. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So why do we struggle? Why do we struggle with the idea that Satan is plaguing us just for no good reason, just because of who he is? Have we forgotten Job as he prowled about on the earth and said he was looking for somebody? He was looking for someone to destroy. And God gave us a picture. 
by giving us the man Job to show us that Satan is always up to no good. Verse 11, and then I'll let you go. Verse 10, rather. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, conform, strengthen, and establish you. You see, that's the good, right? It's coming. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. This morning, um, yeah, we're suffering a little bit. Suffering a lot. God is going to make it turn out all right. I hope this morning, you can walk away this morning saying to yourself, God is going to make everything all right. Trusting that. Believing that. And rejoicing in that. So that when we come in the midst of the world, as they see the doom and the gloom, they look to us and say, Ah, you guys must know something that we don't know. It's like Robert Jastrow, the astrophysicist who didn't believe in God. And he said to Colin Patterson and a whole group of uh, men who believed in God, they were paleontologists and other, you know, you know men who, who studied astronomy and, and, and this, the universe and things of that sort. And he said, you know, I'm starting to feel like, and he wrote this in a book, by the way. He says, like, like we're climbing this mountain and, and all of us, we who are scientists and, 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 and who do not believe in God and, and have made science our faith, we're going to get to the top of the mountain and all the theologians are going to be up there saying, it's about time you got here. I wonder if we're that kind of people. This morning, if you are, are not a Christian, we, we invite you to surrender to God in the waters of baptism to, to give God your, your heart. Having heard His word and believed it, have godly sorrow in your heart, confess His name and be baptized, immersed in water, for the remission of your sins. And then stay with Jesus. Walk with Him until the end. If you've been struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made in your behalf for you, we could pray together for you. If there's anything that we can do, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?